Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Fundamentalists Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan, and I'm here with Dr. Peter Rollins. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, sir. How are you doing? I'm it's doing very formal. Very formal. <laughs> Thank you for joining us here today on the Fundamentalists. Uh, y'all, we did one of my favorite things that we do, which is we did an episode. Yep. Um, Sunday rolled around. No episode. And I was like, are we doing what's going on? And what, what's the, what are you thinking? And Pete did the thing that he does sometimes where he reads my mind. And he was like, you know, we weren't feeling great about it. You said you weren't feeling great. And I was like, it's funny you say that. I'm also not feeling great about it. And it was an episode all on dream interpretation where we shared recent dreams that we've had and we both you know took a little stab at it talked a little bit about some of the ideas behind dream interpretations which we'll talk about a little bit in this episode but uh i love when we tears were shed tears were shed i mean it was it was just enough like because you know when you started calling up your family and apologizing and all that a lot of (laughs) a lot came out yeah Yeah. uh, apologizes yeah uh it was definitely like that it was definitely like we were i was just personal enough in it that i was like "Mm, i'm okay if it doesn't go up and then you were like as kind of personal and "Mm -hmm, (laughs) so here we are yeah i think the round twos are always better like occasionally we do this, we record one, don't feel good, we just bin it, we do we do another one. Yep, we take so. especially when we've already had a week off and we we, um, we then the moment we we're just talking about before we hit record the it's just the weird momentum that you can get into and then when you stop one for week a second and you're on the yeah, it goes. Yeah. And you know what I've found that is the same with Dr. Rollins is <laughs> working out. If I stop for a week yeah. I stopped for a year and I never do it again. That's it. I know I'm the same. I was working out every day for about six months. Oh, by the way, someone was looking for an update on my boot camp story. Uh, put a comment. I remember I told you about doing a boot camp. Yeah, boot here, camp. Boot camp. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, the update was I never went back. So if if that person who was wondering is <laughs> never, never Wait, returned. Well, you went to a, here a fitness it, boot, in boot your camp. compound. Yeah, yeah. They had a, they were putting on put camps to get you fit. Was it like a yoga one? Is it one no, of those no. in the courtyard down there? They do them in the courtyard as well, but or in the park. Uh-huh. But yeah, they did them actually in the building. Cool. Um, and no, this was the one where like it was a full on workout. I had to like like run up and down on the spot. And I had to lift not. weights and had to squat and had to use a rubber band, like a massive rubber band. Nope, not today. Yeah, yeah. I was. Um, Why a rubber band? Because it's was it like this? Yeah, you had to do that, like and you had to do 80s. stuff with your legs and stuff. Yeah, it was, that's fun. Oh, it was it was killer. So, but I I was working out all the time, just a little bit, and then stopped because of COVID. Couldn't use the gym, and now mm-hmm. I can't face going back. It's so and funny. you were doing you were doing so you were doing beast workout. I was doing beast yeah. my beast body workout. I still I'm, I I switched workouts to yeah. a more cardio based workout, which obviously by yourself feels incredibly silly. But well, you know, you did it with a bunch of people at your oh yeah, your yeah. Boot that's camp. really silly. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. I think it's great that you do that. That you yeah. you did it because you know it's. Uh, there are so few things that give me more anxiety than the idea of exercising or God forbid playing sports yeah. with like a group of people who are like the scene in Peep Show where Mark comes out onto the soccer oh, court, yeah. and soccer pitch or whatever and he's just give us a little run <laughs> yeah. and does a little light jog. <laughs> 
fucking knows what he's doing. It 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 hurt me so much. Yeah. Uh, it hurts me to watch it because it's so accurate for how I feel about playing sports with people. But yeah. uh, I tried doing a cardio uh, workout and was like, Mm-mm, I'm gonna stick with my little. I like my little lifting of the weight. So you're still doing it. You're no. still. Oh no. Probably. I stop. Same with the pot. I mean, stop and then. But I am. You know, I'll do it like w- once or twice a week. But I like to do it. I was doing it like every day. I like doing that. I like having it. Yeah. Six days a week. Otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, it's nice for the mental health. But this isn't about exercising, folks. This is about dreams. You will dream work. Where do you want to begin? Right. Well, so we're both interested in this because we're both, uh, you have an increasing... Uh, I was going to say, you can actually talk about it. Can we say it? Yes, it's all we public, can say yes. it. On three. Uh, On three, I am. <laughs> no, I am uh, currently an MA, PhD student uh, getting a, um, studying depth psychology. And uh, it has been very interesting. One of the weeks we were not able to do the podcast was because I had what are called residential days where um, it was just like 10-hour Zoom sessions. Normally, they would be on the campus, but um, I love it. And yeah. it all happened very quickly. I had a very long year and I had a very long and serious talk with myself about uh, the next several years. It's a very common career development for YouTubers. It is. That right? Yeah. So well, it's from veterinary service yes. to YouTube to depth psychology. Exactly. Yeah. To stand up to <laughs> yes. back to YouTube, oh, yeah. back into, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, for some reason, man, It I was like, all year everything is breaking loose and i was like what can i do and offer what am i doing anyway a mild midlife crisis maybe um and i was like well uh i love doing the fundamentalists and i was like i don't know anything about anything and i was like i'd like to know a lot about something and I looked at this program and it just sort of stuck with me. And then I started pursuing it and I got in. And then it became this thing where um, it's it takes a lot of my time and it's a lot of reading, but it's fa- it's everything is fascinating. Like yeah. it's, it is truly wonderful to learn about. And, um, you know, it's scary. It's I think a lot of it is, one, it's a very scary thing. And then two, it's just also a very kind of a spiritual uh, journey for me as well. And so I get a little... Um, it's just strange to talk about, but yeah. I am excited to talk about a lot of this stuff on here. One of them being dream interpretation. Yes. But what are yeah. your thoughts on it? Are you excited about my program? Yeah, oh, absolutely. hundred percent. And you know, <laughs> do you think it's <laughs> approve it? <laughs> I mean, we are like, it's for philosopher Hegel. He would basically in a nutshell say that we are the universe coming to know itself. Um, kind of. And so in one Beautiful. way, if that's the case, then one of the most enjoyable things you can do with your time, I mean, most people don't think this, but I think it is to kind of try, is, is to think about meaning and to think about yeah. what, in this brief moment that we've got, there's like absolutely blink. blink of an eye, eyeball. It's like, but there is something about the universe coming to know itself through our consciousness. And so to think about that, whether it's in sciences or whether it's in literature or mm-hmm. whether it's in art or psychology, it, like, to, to, to kind of explore the world intellectually is one of the, I think, the most enriching things. Oh, I'm um, so glad. Yeah, yeah. So. I do feel that way. And I also was just like, I'm going to be the same age regardless. And who knows? I'm, I mean, I'm going to give this program like a year. I might mm. pivot to something more mm, clinical. This is a very academic degree right now. And so if I do that, that would be because 
I'm aiming for that. But right now I was just like, what could I do? What fits in with the, with the like internet stuff, the desire to write and the desire to talk to cameras and talk to people with, you know, what am I doing if I don't have, I'm just like, as I said, when we did the first round, like a Goodreads scholar where it's like, I have these little pieces of things, um, but nothing that's like cohesive. And so I'm very excited uh, about the whole thing. Very good. And then, yeah, and talking then about psychology, depth psychology, psychoanalysis, dreams are interesting because they potentially, well, the question is, do they reveal something about ourselves? Yes. Are, are dreams a type of revelation? And uh, in depth psychology and also in psychoanalysis, where I'm interested, there's basically the thought that, yeah, dreams have meaning and um, we can decipher them. Yeah, um, it's really, I mean, I think the uh, the proof of it is just in the fact that we didn't upload the first. <laughs> yes. Like, there was something in both of us that was like, mm-mm, too real. Yeah. And even though it wasn't even that bad, but it was upon, because I, I don't want to go into the the dream again that I had. Yeah. Like, first of all, it's been, I think, it's been sufficiently talked about. But, I mean, you hit certain elements of the, the nail on the head a little bit, and it did illuminate a little bit of certain situations, um, which was lovely. Yeah. I just didn't want it out there publicly. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> you don't... It's, the, the dream thing, too, is so weird because you'll say something, and it sounds crazy because you're describing something that's insane, and it's so funny that it's so boring to the person listening to it. I yeah. mean, I find it interesting because I like looking for things. I like... Also, it's such a, it's almost like a great um, way for people to be able to discover what they already feel about things, what they already think about things. And it's just like, I've seen in just my recent schooling and then just in other instances, it's like you ask the right questions and people just, oh, yeah. and then you're like, okay, there, there's, there it is. And then it's, it's like uh, kind of amazing. I just think it's amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. I mean, and if you go deep enough into a dream it can sometimes reveal the central fantasy the central animating drive of an individual so yeah if you if you decipher someone's dream well with them it with it, you know that working with them mm-hmm. um it can it can bring so much stuff to the surface yeah um, and so i mean we talked about this last time and the one that no one's seen uh like you know there's various ideas so one is of course dreams in a religious sense are the gods communicating to us and then in another one at the other extreme dreams are just a way for the brain to get rid of stuff memories kind of yeah a bit of a what do you call it computers that they do is it fracking or something something. or something like that um but then there's a whole pile of thoughts in the middle that actually dreams are we repress so much stuff and we hide so much from ourselves and at night the censorship that we uh put ourselves through during the day by going everything's fine everything's great all the anxieties that we kind of push down by keeping ourselves busy whenever you're in bed with your eyes closed with no sensory stuff coming in from the outside some of that repressed material begins to find a way out yeah hello (laughs) Uh, and it comes out in a distorted way because it's still getting past the sensors it's still getting past the the uh the defenses that we have uh my understanding is that it is in an effort to keep the dreamer asleep ah yes that's one of the thoughts for anything yeah is that yeah if we were 
confronted with the terror of of our mm -hmm. fantasies and our dreams and our fears, uh, we would be shaking ourselves. So they make of, it yeah. look silly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make it look like a little furry monster. Yeah, they make yeah. it look like when you explain it to people, you sound like a crazy person. Yeah. So just keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Bottle it up again. Um, yeah, I also, I mean, I love all of the the ideas behind uh, the symbols behind the old. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tribal societies, the old stories in the Bible of dreams that tell people what to do and how to be the visions that appear to them. Um, and it's so funny to me that it's like, it's been, it's been years, decades even. And there's people are still just like, they happen to most people, basically everyone at some point. And we still like, don't know anything like we don't really know but what i think here's my theory Pete. what do you think about this this is a little not related to the dream thing but a little bit i think that the approach that you take to the dreams has an effect on their efficacy in your own life therefore if you think that it's like backwash in your brain it's just gonna be backwash in your brain no mm. big deal if you think that there are messages from the heavens you're going to act like they're message. They're going to seem like messages from the heavens. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting facet. Well, you know, that is true. So in psychoanalysis, people often start dreaming for their analyst. So someone goes to psychoanalysis and they, they don't really remember their dreams, they usually. And then from doing psychoanalysis, maybe two or three times a week, they start to, first of all, remember their dreams. So they start to kind of kind of look at them. But then the weird thing is they start to often have dreams the day before analysis and the analyst might be in the dream and it feels like the, the very kind of knowledge that you're going to be doing some sort of analysis <laughs> evokes yep. certain unconscious things in the brain. And so, yeah, it's, but that's very common that you see people dreaming for their analyst and for their analysis. I wonder, too, it's related to, because um, I know the last time I had a vivid dream. I went to bed that night and I just had a feeling. I was like, there's too much in my head going on um, with everything that something's going to like a kernel of popcorn, just like start popping away in my mm. brain a little bit. But I wonder if, yeah, if like you're amped up because you're going into analysis or therapy or yeah. whatever. Your brain's very active. Even, even if I'm thinking of a problem, if I'm thinking about some thought, uh, philosophical issue or something, if I think about it, and I fall asleep, my mind is, starts to act mm -hmm. on it, you know, definitely. Our minds are so weird, man. Yeah. So in terms of like, we'll jump into Freud for a second. We'll do <laughs> Freud. Pause and yeah. how <laughs> weird the mind is. <laughs> yeah, I want to avoid that, uh, that critique we got of being like, two guys, <laughs> you're stoned. Wow. What's up with the mind? <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, so Freud, one of his most famous books is The Interpretation of Dreams. Absolutely phenomenal work. And... Uh, in that he talks about, he makes a distinction between manifest content and latent thoughts. So that's the first thing, you know, you, you think about when you think about a dream, the manifest content is what happens, what you see, what you feel, what you taste, what you smell. And then the latent thoughts are when you're free associating, when you sit down and you go through the dream, you then, what thoughts come into your mm -hmm. mind as you associate, um, and so I think a dream I told you about uh, a friend had or a friend of a friend about a baby kid, this uh, or sorry, a baby goat <laughs> uh, who's running around messing things up. 
and a baby goat as a kid. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, so basically they were thinking about having kids and the, the, so the dream, this kind of desire for a child, but a child that would disrupt things and disrupt their life came out of the dream. So the manifest content is the baby goat. The latent thought is a kid, a child, a baby. Um, Here's okay. Okay. Also, another one of the coolest things about dreams is they seem to have, and this is probably the wrong term, but it's like a little bit of a sense of humor. Like there's mm. a, they <laughs> speak in puns and they speak in metaphors yes, yes. and like the, 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 you know, uh, visually, whatever you're describing, you'll find yourself almost saying the emotional thing that you're going through. It's so crazy. Yeah. That's, I it. was climbing yeah. a hill. I was, you know, uh, Plane crash. I mean, I have plane crash ones. You know what's interesting about my plane crash dreams? Mm-hmm. Um, am I cutting you off? I'm no, no, no. I, I, yeah. um, I, I have, I've had recurring plane crash dreams. You mentioned this for yeah. quite a while, yeah. And it's super. Um, what I've noticed about them over time is that the um, the seats in the plane that I sit in have gotten increasingly. Uh, this is, see, this is why you don't do dream interpretation. I, I can already hear myself talking and I'm like, nah, reel it in. But the seats went from like, over the years, they've gone from being like, you know those old toilets that you see with the chain hanging down the box all the way at the top? Yep. Oh, yeah. They kind of look like one of those. That was like one of the first chairs. It wasn't bolted onto the ground. Um, so it would slide everywhere when I would sit on it, almost like a really thin little high chair. And then it went, I, I had a couple where I was kind of, uh, in coach, normal kind of doing my thing. It was probably around the time I was doing more stand up and, and, and flying more. But, uh, then, then the most recent one I was, um, in first class each time playing goes down, but the seats keep getting better. It was old seat. Thank it's a beautiful coach. metaphor for life, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah. We, we all go down in the end. You might be in first class right now, Elliot. Yep. <laughs> but it's, you're still going to yep. die. And I got upgraded. <laughs> yep. I got upgraded to, first class uh and then i remember as i'm going in um i was like i got upgraded and somebody's like oh, okay you, you did it and then i'm in first class and then i was like the plane started crashing the whole roof got ripped off these are very vivid by the way so i i i feel like i can still you know you can still remember it obviously to dream uh and i remember as i felt myself going down like i felt almost weightless um i had the thought in my head in the dream Ugh, this always happens like i've been through so many plane crash dreams that i knew it was coming in the dream and i woke up and was like okay yeah that's yeah that's interesting because what like one of the things we about dream interpretation is you listen for words of course and oh, no. phrases what did you hear? Dang yeah. <laughs> no there's actually some interesting words you used but i was thinking that you know in, in knowing you and going like you've been through a number of careers and number of changes, mm-hmm. the latest one doing depth psychology. And so the first thing I'm thinking is, you know, you you're, you don't get to your destination. Something crashes um, and you change location. Change, but there's there is a certain I don't know if I don't know if there's mm-hmm. a correlation between the fact that, you know, you started as a veterinarian, you went into YouTube, mm-hmm. you went into comedy, depth psychology. Um, and then this recurring dream of you never get to your destination. It never gets there. The crash is before, but yet some, some, but yet what changes is constantly 
what's going on within the plane. Yeah. So I, you know, it's a, so I start to, but I don't think that, yeah, that's just a, an initial thought. Yeah. Which is another fun part of, of the, the dream interpretation game is mm. sort of the, you know, from what I've heard, the dreamer is typically right. You do the, yeah. you know, if it doesn't resonate, then that's a good indicator. On, yeah. and, but I do think that there's something to that. My, my, um, I need to be better about writing it down because I'd be interested to know what was going on in my life during those, mm. those periods. Cause that's I also think that it's, it tends to be maybe um, moments of like hubris, moments of wanting, moments of maybe not uh, making sure everything is copacetic before taking off. Essentially, like like doing it, doing things too quickly. Um, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. That's but, my self-interpretation, which is also, yeah. from what I've heard, not usually the most, um, unless you're Freud, who stayed up all night and analyzed his dreams doing cocaine, which who would blame? Who wouldn't, I know. But which is the original sin of psychoanalysis, which, not the cocaine, but uh, you can't analyze yourself. But then Freud was the first analyst, so no one could technically analyze him, so it was a bit tif- tough. But he was very good at self-analysis, but you still kind of need somebody else yeah. to, 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 in the cocaine, lots of cocaine and lots of cocaine. Um, well, who but, would, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, yeah, he was very, like his work with cocaine was about he, an anesthetic. He actually had a dream about it cause someone stole his research and published it. Oh really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And he had a dream about it. And this is one of the famous dreams of Freud actually. Um, I but, was reading about him oh, all day yesterday. Where are you? Oh, very good. What were you reading about? The, uh, the well, it was the um, that whole time period. Oh, it was yeah. um, the Air K and uh, his patients, um, the discovery of like childhood sexual abuse being an indicator of like adult um, hysteria. Uh, him kind of breaking down the disagreements he had with people like I think it was Bluer or Buller or something oh, uh, like that. Br- um, uh, Br- 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah, I forget his name. Um, as well as um, sort of how uh, passionate he was and kind of dogmatic he was about his ideas and making sure and so that it kind of goes <laughs> kind of goes through all the people who he lost as, uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> as friends just and it was like shit, i was like i do really love this guy like i he is there's something about somebody who's just like you disagree get out of my life <laughs> <Yeah>. forever <laughs> uh just so insane but um yeah it, yeah. it was about that and then it was about some of the the cases and the interpretation of dreams, the sort of lackluster initial response followed by the big thing. And then how he kind of deviated from his like, um, infantile sexual theory of trauma into his other stuff, into the Oedipal uh, complex later. Very good. Would yeah. be my un- understanding of everything. And then, um, Adler, Jung, um, the others that came in formed i read dude it was so it it was about how freud okay so freud wanted to make jung the president of the psychoanalytic association of uh, vienna or whatever like his group and and they wanted to make it a lifetime term like you're elected president forever of this society which is so weird to me but Freud wanted to make it Jung, and everyone had a secret meeting. Have you heard about this? I don't know about the secret meeting, no. They had a a meeting just amongst themselves to figure out how to keep Jung from becoming the president, and then Freud burst in, and he said, 
basically was saying that if we don't have someone like Jung at the head of this, this is going to forever be considered uh, like a Jewish oh, science. Oh, yeah, that was, was, that was his big hope for Jung to yeah. break, break it into the universal. Yeah. Right, yeah, mm. and, 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 be, and become established in a, um, a way like that. And so they compromised, and Jung became president, but only for two years instead of a lifetime thing. Uh, but they didn't like the direction Jung was going in, and then uh, Freud was, um, I think, maybe more... Um, uh, just very goal oriented and making sure that his stuff, yeah, yeah, got out there. He had a he had a kind of a sense of the kind of importance of his work to such an extent that he you know he wanted to protect it at all costs. He was guided um, by his damn aunt. He was he had a, a soul in his uh, oh it was cocaine that's what it was. It was <laughs> same thing. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean it's fast. It's it's when you think about what he was doing during that time, and I just can't imagine like. It must have been so exciting, but at the same time, I mean, these were like a lot of these were kind of rich people, right? Like yeah. Freud, they were kind of the the bourgeoisie a little bit. Yeah. Well, those are the, must have been the days. Yeah. That must have been the coolest thing in the world to be all old and like you figured the coolest thing out maybe ever. Yeah. And all you do is you you get to start an academy where you hang out with your friends and talk about your patients and what kind of therapies are working for them in a way that has never been done before because there wasn't really like a psychoanalytic structure. He was trying to create one out of nothing. Like that's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And because in some ways the symptoms that they, he was seeing were kind of a, a product of the modern world. So you, you can kind of almost say that, that those types of neuroses that were being seen at the time of Freud were relatively new. Um, I mean, people would have had them to some extent in the past, but the, the modern world was creating a certain form of illness. Yeah. And they were like exploring it and it then brought out the unconscious. And that's the key, route, the royal route to the unconscious for Freud was dreams. Yeah. That dreams are a way for us to encounter a part of ourselves that we're not aware of. Yeah. Um, now, this is the interesting thing about, so there's the manifest content and the latent thought. But here's the interesting thing is technically the latent thought isn't yet the unconscious. That's that's the key is that... Is that pre-conscious? That, yeah, yeah, pre-conscious because you can bring it to light. You mm-hmm. know, whenever whenever you hear an inter- interpretation that's very, that connects with latent thoughts, it's it's it usually doesn't surprise you too much. It's like, oh yeah, no, I never did like that person or yeah, I am a bit jealous or I am really hope desiring that person. And so you kind of in, encounter something in yourself that, you might not have been completely aware of, but you're dimly aware of. Yeah. And that's more pre-conscious than unconscious. It reminds me of how in a lot of like the more clinical um, approaches to psychology, I think when they refer to the term unconscious, they usually mean something along the lines of like, later if I try to remember what you're wearing, I can maybe could maybe remember that you had brown shoes on, even though I haven't consciously recognized that you have brown shoes. So they use it in almost like a term of like, you're just you're yeah. It's what your attention hasn't been shined. Yes, on. whenever it's the light the, there's a there's a light and the light isn't on that part of your yeah. brain, but you can bring the light back, and it, yeah, exactly. Which Freud played with that notion. I think it's called the single inscription model of the unconscious, where basically what's unconscious is just what you're currently not conscious of, and you yeah. can bring it up. And then he moved from the single inscription model to the double inscription model, which is where something stays unconscious even if you're thinking about it so for example you could talk about your dad 
but also have all of these repressed feelings about your dad. So you haven't, you are thinking about your dad. So your dad is conscious, but you're, your ex- the full extent of your feelings mm-hmm. and exp- are are unconscious like an iceberg yeah 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 so that's kind of that second model and then he moved into a third model which is even more interesting which um where basically the unconscious isn't underneath but it's within mm-hmm. um and that's that's really really interesting is so for for, for i think freud's mature work on dreams what you do is you've got the manifest content and you get the person to write all of that down, mm-hmm. or you talk about it, right? What happened? What did you see? You plane crash, chairs, you talked about a toilet, like an old toilet. You talked about a high chair. Mm-hmm. You've got these different words. We put all of that manifest content right, down. I'm going to make a note. I'm going to stop talking to Pete. That's what I'm going to start doing. <laughs> Pete listens. Yeah. And then, and then we associate all the latent thoughts to those mm-hmm. manifest content. But then, then we ask what memories are connected so maybe you'll have this weird memory of the first time you were in an airplane um, and maybe there was turbulence or something. And that's called a screen memory. A screen memory is a memory that seems very boring but, but hides something quite traumatic. And then we, we do all of that. So we've got your manifest content, we've got the latent thoughts, we've got a couple of screen memories. And then we look and we see if there's any recurring signifiers, words, that are dotted throughout all mm-hmm. of the stuff that we've noted. And what you can sometimes find is a dominant word that is repeating, that's a signifier that, that keeps repeating in your dreams. And that signifier keeps repeating in your life. And that can give you, I think, the, the key to your destiny. It gives you the key to what drives you. You know, that's we that's weren't even advertising that on this episode. What's that? Here's <laughs> how you find the key to your destiny. Key to your destiny. That's it. That's why Lacan was fascinated by signifiers because he he was he was the one who really discovered that that words um, can repeat. Like words become very significant. So you you said like about a hill. You mentioned like it was just a made up dream, but you say you dream of a hill. But then you go, oh, but I know somebody called mm-hmm. John Hill. Actually, do you know someone called John Hill? And you go like, oh, so that dream about I was trying to get over this hill and it was a really difficult journey. And I go like, oh, John Hill. And I, I had a difficult time with him. And you can, But then uh, this word keeps repeating, hill. And then you find that that repeats somewhere else in your life. I'm trying to think what other words... You go to the Church Hill song or whatever. Yeah, yeah there you go. You, know, you go to. You suddenly find this 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 signifier that's dotted around in your life, and that opens up to kind of uh, memories and traumas mm-hmm. and whatnot. Yeah, just a little like crowbar in the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you write your dreams down? Only do, very, only did it, I've only done it once in my life. Actually, a few months ago I did it because I had a very significant dream and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a proper dream analysis. Yeah. So I wrote it down, I, I split it into bits and moved it all around, did the associations. And yeah, it was actually very useful. I really? Could, cool. Yeah, it, it, you know, really connect, clicked. It, and what was the insight? Right. Basically, I always um, uh, have, I suppose, had a bit of an unorthodox life and I've never really kind of done the milestones that I that people mm-hmm. usually do and adults usually do. And um, the dream kind of connected that 
for me is like in various areas of my life, I don't hit certain milestones, certain things that that are expected. Uh, maybe yep. whenever, in, whenever I was growing up, that I never did. You're not um, following the script that you're, yeah. that you're, yeah, we're and, all given exactly. And and but I didn't realize that that was repeating itself, not just in my career, but it was repeating my, it was repeating itself in various areas of my life. And then the dream helped me see those connections and then connect it with some experiences when I was young. And I was like, whoa, that it was very cool. Yeah, it was kind of cool. And it dawned on you all at once. Did it kind of come crashing down? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> really? That's so well, cool. Uh, well, and, and the, what it really helped me see then is how then in my, my work, what I do, which is about trying to um, find alternative I were looking at, at things in an alternative way. Yeah. It was connected with this as well. So it basically yeah, connected dots, which I think it's like being a detective to your own life. If it, mm-hmm. You have to be like a Columbo and you look at your dream and you connect the dots and it'll often kind of... It's funny you bring up that, um, that uh, part of it, the sort of going through life without hitting those markers or whatever. I was... Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about rites of passage and acts of sort of initiation and that kind of thing. And, um, I think we're, we are, uh, in addition to maybe having slightly unorthodox lives, the particular culture that we're in doesn't seem to have spaces for people to transition from one stage to Mm. another stage in any particular way. And I think that might be kind of a bad thing it's led to i think times in my life of celebration times of celebration that should have happened times of um maybe probably suffering or whatever that should have happened prior to certain elements but we just sort of live these very like linear just time forward motion kind of existences um yeah interesting to me and i think it's a good i i'm trying to get back in the zone of like oh yeah there's a world out there of like you go through you can you can symbolically be like, I'm doing, I'm at this stage of life right now because sometimes I look at my own life and I go, I'm 33 and I'm doing this. I don't even remember all of this happening and now it's just here. And so it's hard to like, it's hard to feel like you're present when you're just going, going, going. Yeah. Is there any, any other points? Oh, can you talk about um, condensation? Oh, yes. That was a point that I thought was very interesting that we covered last time and I wanted to make sure we discuss it. Yeah, so Freud noticed that dreams eat have kind of two basic mechanisms. There's condensation where often one image will have like three or four kind of be overdetermined with meaning. And even one person might have different features of two or three people. So if you have one symbol like plane, we might find that there's actually, there, it's condensed into like three or four different meanings. And we have to follow all four of those meanings. And then kind of um, displacement where you dream of something, like I dream of a hill, but then that's connected to my friend John Hill, yeah. which is then connected to um, something else. So that's displacement. And so those are two mechanisms of dreams. That, that's why you can't kind of take them on the surface. You got to try to, yeah, you know, decondense them. Yeah, and I think even if you do take it, like at the surface level, that's just, that is just the surface level. It might be still a little valid, but then there could be a bunch of other stuff in there that you could mine through Oh yeah, work and a- imagination and all that stuff. So interesting. Yeah. And the, the main way you know that it's working is, is that it changes your symptoms. So like, I think I said in this, I think we talked about this, but I, I was in 
helping a friend interpret a dream. And through the interpretation, it changed how he interacted with people. Yeah. And it, it happened almost immediately. Um, and so you knew you kind of hit on the right interpretation because, you know, you don't know whether you're interpreting correctly or not. But if it, if it kind of has real world effect, yep. then you kind of know, oh, we must have hit on something. Like that's, you, you, you brought something to the surface, you know. Fascinating. Yeah. There's, I don't know how anybody isn't so enamored by, all, I, I guess, you know what, I bet part of it too is it is a little foo-foo-y, I guess. There are, I guess, cynics out there, skeptics out there who think that none of it is is anything. And then I think that the field of dream dictionaries and um, Google uh, are not very good. No, 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 no. Definitely not, yeah. I mean, he, one of the things about the dream that I was telling you the other week was that one element of it was that Don Johnson was in it. From the, so the, you can see why. So, yeah. <laughs> I was Don Johnson from uh, Miami Vice. So it's his Sonny Crockett uh-huh. was his actor's name. That was who was in the dream and we were talking. And I had seen an image of him that day on Instagram. A friend of mine follows a Miami Vice Instagram account. He sent me this cool picture. So that was in my mind. So I go like, oh, yeah, that was in my dream. But then the image brought me right back to an age when I was about 13 and I was really into Miami Vice. And as I said to you, then it brought me to an image of some things in my room. And it, including I was really embarrassed because I had a picture of a Ferrari Testarossa. Um, and then I was like, oh, yeah, actually, embarrassment was part of what was the distortion. What I worked out is the dream was there was something else that I was embarrassed about. And the screen memory was it went from Don Johnson to Miami Vice to my 13-year-old self, to this poster I was embarrassed about, which then opened up the real embarrassment. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was like a, a weird a weird element where you go, I just oh, I had a funny dream about Don Johnson. And go like, oh no, it went right. So it went from the manifest content uh-huh. to the latent thought, to the screen memory, to the real memory. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a great example of the, the process working. Um, also, I was the other day, you know, boy can dream i'll get on the phone and look up occasionally i'll like once every year maybe twice a year i'll look up cool cars as i thought i was gonna say the the ferrari thing and i was looking up stuff and uh my girlfriend saw me doing it and i felt a true sense of embarrassment (laughs) i was like this is just you know i'm just whatever it's fine i was getting rid of it i just think the, the the bmw i9 is really cool anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. That, nah, it's just stupid <laughs> <laughs> all right whatever um also though uh you know what a johnson is no you're johnson oh is that a your it's a term for your dick oh no way i didn't know that so yeah. you're gonna have to freudian that yourself yeah <laughs> at least i can say i didn't know that is that an yeah. american term but maybe you don't i did think deep you down. Knew it. yeah it could be, uh, i think um, it is let's google yeah. it but that is funny that you mentioned like the hill thing oh yeah about being like hill and then you're like johnson and i'm like well johnson is yeah well that, yeah, those are the kind of connotations that's why you hate dream analysis because then you discover things like that uh mm. samuel johnson Origin, origin of a penis euphemism. Johnson's last name most often used for the male sex organ. Ah, very good. I mean, that's yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a wonderful Well, book. I mean, the, Don Johnson is definitely a phallic object. There's no doubt. There you go, I yeah. mean, because uh, he is a non-castrated other. He is a kind of a man without castration who kind of is an embodiment of, you know, a fant- fantasized masculinity. So, yeah, he is a walking phallus yeah. in a way. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah. He's I'd, a Marilyn Monroe type figure for what he represents. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still in my head. Like my ideal is Don Johnson. I yeah. still, I want to wear my chinos and, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of a very embarrassing experience I had when a kid wearing well, chinos. So we gotta stop here before we, <laughs> we trash this episode too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, you don't need to share embarrassing yeah. stories. We have enough of those just uh, all the time. So, have you any clue? Have you any kind of clues and thoughts on this kind of just? I, I'm curious what people think about it. I, I'm curious mm. if other people even think about it. Like, yeah. I, or or they, I mean, I am. Um, there's so many different schools of thought. I think that the trick is to stay. Um, if anything, I think much of what we need in life right now is based in having more imagination and more um, silliness, more ridiculousness. And there is no better way if you need an easy and free way to do that than to just try to interpret your own dreams yeah. for fun and see what kind of stuff you can stir up in your brain. Cause at the very least you'll get yourself working on some level that maybe you weren't before. Which yeah. cool. That's a, a, friend, a psychoanalyst friend of mine, Chris, he, he says to me, he says, right, you kind of got to bracket out whether dreams have meaning. He says what, what they're great at is producing meaning. Yeah. So he says, when you free associate, you don't have to worry about, whether the dream really means what it means he says in his professional work you'll always come to something interesting and sometimes something transformative so for freud but he said like if you listen to your dreams you will probably make less mistakes in your life you'll because you'll be more aware of your unconscious mechanisms and so one thing i don't do this very often but it is interesting sometimes to sit down with say your partner or friend tell a dream and then just do it just free associate start mm -hmm. free associating then you get to the latent thoughts and the latent thought is just like a play if you read a play and then you try to work out what's the theme of the play right there is no theme of the play written out anywhere the theme of the play is just what is kind of kind of brought up mm -hmm. through the manifest content so you do that you get the latent thought what's going on then you connect it with some memories and uh, you can sometimes you know kind of discover like memories and traumatic events but that are actually uh, healthy for you yeah you bring it up to the surface and then changes you so yeah and the discovery feels like something that that you know it's correct yeah. on some level and that alone is a weird thing that yeah. you can sit there by yourself or with a person and somebody could say a couple words and then all of a sudden something will click and you know that it's correct even though you already kind of knew it and maybe you just hadn't had the thought and you piece it. It's so, it's yeah. just amazing. Because it's, it's a movie that you wrote. I mean, that's the thing. It's a, it's a movie that is, was written and directed by you. Mm -hmm. And so there's something of yourself in it. Yeah. Even if you, so what, like any director takes elements of their day and what they see and what they've experienced, right? That everyone, and then they put it together into a type of kind of cinematic experience. And that's kind of what a dream is. Your, your mind is taking all of this stuff from your life and then sticking it together, creating a very surrealist movie, and you get to watch it. And then at the end, you can be a critic towards it, and you can start thinking, right, what was going on? And um, as you discover what was in the mind of the director, you're discovering what's in your mind, because you are the director. Uh, this director is pretty messed up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This guy's got some weird ideas. Uh, uh, I love it. Um, cool. Any other thoughts, Pete? No, I'm good. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.